On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're jumping into 1981's The Pit with the author of The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, Mike Vaughn. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. I wasn't in the pit. Miss Lynn just doesn't understand me. I'm not lonely. I got Teddy. This is Colts in the Cavalcade. This is episode 71. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-hoster and my very own Teddy, Cullen. I'm all ready to talk about the pit. I even got a bowl haircut. Yeah. Yeah, today we are here to discuss the 1981 film, The Pit. Cullen, what's in The Pit? A solitary and strange preteen boy wreaks revenge on his harassers when he makes a disturbing discovery in the depth of a forest. The Pit is directed by Lou Lehman and stars Sammy Snyder's Jeannie Elias, Laura Hollingsworth, Andrea Schwartz, and Sonia Smits. And here we are back, uh, moving on from Mama Walde last month, as we did both Blackula movies. And we're going to The Pit, but we're not going to jump into The Pit alone. Uh, joining us today the author of The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, Mike Vaughn. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on, Mike. Happy to have you. You're the author of The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, which was funny, was a it was a book on my watch list to get. So I was like, oh, I'm going to note that. And then you you found us to t- wanting to talk about it on the show, and wow, oh, here we are. <laughs> talking about the book with the author. So tell us about The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. It's a book that I wrote that has over 300 uh, reviews, just weirdest, craziest shit from all over the world. And I also try to do stuff from different genres, not just horror, but action, comedy. You know, I just try to um, not stick to just horror, kind of focus on some other genres that really have a lot of strange films, but don't necessarily kind of get highlighted. Like I have a whole chapter about biker movies, stuff like that. You know, it was a lot of fun to write. I had a blast doing some of the interviews. You know, it's a lot of lot of work, but it was also a lot of fun. You said you watched over 300 movies for this book. Was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, I don't know how much longer I can keep watching these things? Um, it, it's kind of weird. Like every day I would sit down and say, I have three movies to watch and three reviews to write. You know, it, that doesn't sound very hard, but, you know, I was explaining to a friend of mine that when I'm reviewing a movie, I'm not just watching it. I got to take notes and I really have to have my full concentration on it. So it's weirdly work. Like it doesn't sound like it. I did get a little burnout and that's when you have to take a step back. But, um, I usually just watch these kind of movies anyway, so it's just kind of pretty much normal. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we had Brian Collins on here last year, and he did a horror movie a day, and he <laughs> he did wear on him going through 2,500 movies over the course of his stint with that. So I can, can imagine there's some days where it's just like, no, but then you find the one that keeps you going. Yeah, it, especially if when you have a deadline that keeps you fired up. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. I do like your book has uh, a lot of... You know, I like the the interviews that show up here and there through it, and I, I do like the variety of films in there. Like, I wouldn't expect that. there's some some hits in there that you're you kind of expect, but there's some real good rarities. But there's also some known films that it's like, oh yeah, well you know this fits. But like Cronenberg's uh, uh, Crash was in there, the Barton Fink, Godard's Weekend. I, I had a lot of fun seeing you know, stuff like that pop up in there as well. You know, next to things like. Today's The Pit is in there and Lady Terminator. It was fun just to kind of go from one extreme to another, like you said about doing a Godard film versus a schlocky Canadian film. It's a kind of nice balance between highbrow, kind of lowbrow. 
mm-hmm. every, everything else in between. Yeah, and you didn't just hamper yourselves to certain decades where it kind of be easy to pull. You even like have newer things like, you know, the Neon Demon and Swiss Army Man pops up in there. Pretty cool. Was, I, I didn't expect a lot of like recent as in like a couple years ago titles to show up. That was fun. Yeah, like I said, I tried to, I know, I think my earliest movie was like I did a silent movie. Mm-hmm. So I try to like really run the the gamut of different different decades, like I said, different genres. I, I do appreciate. I, I saw series seven was in there, and I've I've always been a huge huge fan of that film. Still understand. St- I still want a Blu-ray for it, but I don't know where those rights lie with that one anymore. Oh yeah, that's a that's a really good movie. It's like I said, I try to scour the internet and just find the craziest, weirdest stuff. And you know, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff was stuff just from my own collection. But some of it, I really had to dig deep to find some of the really weird, obscure stuff. Like some of the French stuff was was kind of hard to find. What was the hardest one to find? Do you think? Probably some of like the Korean stuff. Like Devil Fetus was a, a one that. I had heard about for like the longest time, and it's just as weird and crazy as it sounds. Uh, have either one of you seen it? I have not. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, it's it's very bizarre, of course. That one was kind of hard to track down with subtitles. That was the biggest thing was there were some really great movies that I wanted to do, but some were so obscure and, and stuff. They didn't even have English subtitles, so I couldn't use them. I try not to focus on the stuff that got away, but there was some stuff that I really wanted. Some of it was just either really expensive or, like I said, no subtitles, so that didn't help me. <laughs> gotcha. I, I, I find it funny. as like, a film book where you could find, if you're like a streaming person or something, it's it, you could find uh, things from that book on anywhere from exploitation TV to Filmstruck. Like, <laughs> there's no, I mean, I mean, it's it's everywhere. That's what was really cool about it. It was definitely fun. I think it was a lot of fun just doing the research. And like I said, some of these movies I was very familiar with, but of course, a bulk of them I was not. And I really try to push myself to find some of the kind of rarer stuff because I like to think that I wrote this for casual fans and hardcore fans. Oh, yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah. yeah. I like to think that even hardcore fans like you guys would be able to flip through and be like, well, you know, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. And and you got it in physical form, too. So bravo on that. That's that's the best part. Schiffer, the publisher, they've been really great to work with. And they're they're kind of they're based uh, where I am uh, in Pennsylvania. So that's that's pretty cool. Cool. If yeah, if you only did a Kindle version, I'd like your book, but not really. Like, <laughs> were, were there any movies that you came across in this where you thought like, blew your mind at how over the top and ridiculous it was? That's like a, a bulk of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a film in there, Mutant Action. I believe it's in the sci-fi chapter. That one is pretty over the top. Probably like the Peter Jackson stuff. I chose to do like his early stuff. That's that's pretty over the top, over the top, almost cartoon like, which is what I like. Well, yeah, like Meet the Feebles. That was actually like you know using puppets to do gross and disturbing things. Yeah, bad taste. That's another yeah, terrific one. You mentioned Lady Terminator. That's a movie that's wonderfully over the top, and that's definitely cartoon like. And are you guys have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen Lady Terminator. That was crazy. I'll get to it. <laughs> It's good. It's, you know, what I love about those kind of movies are I love all any kind of movie where they kind of remake an American film in their own mm-hmm. filter through their own kind of strange cultural, you know, lens. And it's, it's really interesting. There's like another Terminator 2. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it for years and it's easier to find. But there's like another Terminator 2 that was made before Terminator 2 that I've been wanting to see. I think I heard of that. Yeah. In the book, there's the um, the RoboCop remake, re, uh, reimagining whatever. Uh, Robo Vampire. <laughs> Robo Vampire, yes. Yeah, that was one when I was looking through the book. I saw that like I have to see this film. I have to know what is in <laughs> Robo Vampire. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's not quite as as awesome as the title might suggest, but it's still it's definitely worth tracking down. That one's actually not too hard to find either. They did a. Um, I don't recall the company, but they put out a, a double DVD with that and another one. Well, I've, I've always felt that what was missing from RoboCop was vampires. And not only are they vampires, but they're hopping vampires. 
So of all the titles in the book, what brought you to say, let's do the pit? I love the movie. I was a huge fan back when Anchor Bay did the DVD. It's just a wonderfully crazy hybrid of all these different horror subgenres. You know, it's like a monster movie, but it's an evil kid movie, but it's a psychodrama, and it's a revenge. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything. And more. <laughs> yeah. It's everything. It's like Blood Freak, where it's like five different things all jammed together. It kind of strangely works. I mean, kind of has some uneven tones, but I guess it was a, originally it was supposed to be a lot darker and yeah. they, they decided to kind of tone it down. So I think elements of that darker version kind of stayed in there, but it's, it's also mixed with lighter stuff. So it, it makes for a kind of weird juxtaposition sometimes. The guy who played Jamie definitely kept with that darker tone, I think, the whole movie. I think it's kind of like, where the lighter stuff doesn't work is because I think he's still in that mode, it almost feels like. The actor, he nails that role. He is so good at just being so, just getting crawlingly creepy. I watched the the interview with him on the Blu-ray, and he is, like, still, like, sold on that movie. Like, he is straight, (laughs) beeline, serious about his performance. As I was watching the movie, there were parts where I thought, like, is he legitimately, like, psychotic? Or is it just that everyone in the town is a dick to him? I couldn't tell. I kind of went back and forth. And then it just got to a point where it's like, okay, no, this kid's a monster. Before we get into our discussion about the pit, let's take a pit stop with Tom Labrie. Hi, this is Tom Labrie with Night Comfort. Some pretty good movies and some easy conversation. Hey, you know what I'm really hoping for this year? Lots of snow. There's nothing I enjoy more than going up to the Sierra. That's another great thing about living in Sacramento. Just jump in the car, and pretty quick, you're in the mountains. I love the ski. There's that clean, pure air, the gorgeous scenery, and that super feeling when you come down the slopes. There's nothing like it in the world. So if you ski Heavenly, Shasta, North Star, or wherever, look for me, because I generally try them all during the season. Aren't those beautiful shots? The only thing I don't like is staying at the motels that don't have waterbeds. And you know, I love my waterbed. But that's the way it is in life. Gotta have a little bit of the bad. That's why some of these movies are turkeys. And now, let's get back to the movie. So The Pit, it opens at an outdoor Halloween party where a boy in a ghost outfit who's our main character Jamie, uh, approaches a kid named Freddie Phelps who's dressed as a pirate, and then we get a flashback to Jamie on the playground asking if he can join a club, with, and then Freddie punches him in the face, and a girl laughs. Can you call it a flashback when it only lasts a second? A memory? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that feels more accurate All right. to me. We go back to the Halloween party where you know, Jamie, as the ghost, says he has something to show him in private, and then Freddie and the girl follow... Her name's Christina. They they go with him into the forest, and he tells them there's a bag in the forest filled with jewels that he can't take home, but Freddy can have if he lets him join his club and stops hitting him. And then he shows him where the bag is, and then deviously laughs as Freddy picks it up, and then Jimmy pushes him into the pit because lightning illuminates it, and we see the eyes of Teddy, and the title screen comes on. Well, and the oh. way that he he pushes this guy, it's so funny. It's just kind of like almost every time someone gets pushed into the pit, it's just kind of like a lackadaisical, like barely nudge. Yeah. Cue to a normal happy day as a bus takes kids to school. Uh, Jamie appears to be uh, in Bart Simpson detention writing, I will not bring adult books into class on the board. The, the teacher looks through this book of nude photos and she notices one has been cut out. It's one page with Cut out. Did you do this? No. That's the way it was. Well, we'll take your word for it. Presume Miss Livingston will find some way to repair it. All right, Jamie. Rub it off and go home. And I'm not sure if it's (laughs) the chalkboard she's talking about. Like, Jamie's the last person you want to say, rub it off to. Especially the kid with the nude book. Yeah. Rub it off, boy. (laughs) Not a great educator. 
Mrs. Lynn, the teacher, she returns the book to the library to Marge Livingston. She says they'll just remove the whole page from the cutout, and she goes into a dark black room, and Jamie's watching her from a window outside on a fire escape. She pulls out a paper that she has, has the cutout of the body with her head on top of it. Jamie obviously sent that to her. When she goes into the dark room by herself, did it feel like she was about to do something sinister? I don't know. Why is she turning the light? Why is the light not coming on? Or maybe something sinister was going to happen to her, but I didn't think it, she was going to do it. I mean, she's mean, but I I don't know enough yet. To me, it felt like she was about to plot something against someone. <laughs> we then have Jamie's mom meeting with the potential new nanny, Sandy, as she feels she's kind of overdoing it as a mommy. And we get the recess, Colin called it a memory of Freddie punching Jamie again and then the mom warns Sandy that he'll probably have a crush on her and he really has no friends (laughs) how could you not want to take that job on his walk home Jamie admires a bike and a little girl Abigail gets all pissy at him and threatens she'll tell people and have him taken away because he looked at a a bike and (laughs) Sandy mentions that she's still in college and has been taking on exceptional children Jamie then runs into an old woman in a wheelchair who talks shit to him, and then she mentions that she's glad his parents have decided to move elsewhere. When this was going on, like, it is really immediately, like, this girl shitty to him, this old woman shitty to him, like, we haven't seen him do anything to anyone. Like, the worst thing this, well, I mean, I guess we did see at the beginning of the movie him murder someone, but other than that... The old woman and the and the girl, they don't know what he's up to. They're just, they're but, just, but in all, all, all honesty, we saw him murder someone in the future. We just don't know that <laughs> kind of yet. But Yeah, we don't know what we saw at the beginning of the movie is actually the middle of the movie. So Jamie's dad comes home, and he's like, my wife tells me your experience with problem children. And he mentions that his son lives entirely in his own head. And he says that an old woman caught him naked outside just in a cape swinging around. So I imagine that's why the old woman in the wheelchair hates him. <laughs> the other children have labeled him a nutcase. And we then see Jamie feeding his frog as his mom calls him for dinner. Sandy joins them for dinner as the parents tell her they are looking for a new house in Seattle and need to see it first before buying. Jamie drops his napkin so he can try to take a peek at Sandy under the table, but his dad catches him. And that scene is is super weird because they're off the dinner table, and for some reason, Jamie focuses on his parents eating, and I don't mean like... He just watches them. It's like an extreme close-up of their mouths, Mm -hmm. and then... That's when he decides to drop his napkin. I don't... What was Jamie's plan here? Like, like, well, if their mouths are full, they won't tell me to not look up a girl's skirts. Just to get a peek, man. Like the guys with the, the mirrors on the tips of their shoes. That's Jamie grown up. <sighs> we then cut to Dad packing up the trunk of the car, and they take off. Uh, Jamie and Sandy are in the kitchen as he asks her if she has a boyfriend and he just about tells her about getting in trouble at school about the nude book but says it was about cracking his knuckles in class jamie asks more questions about the boyfriend but sandy insists he's just more of a friend sandy drops a knife jamie says he'll get it and but sandy picks it up and it pisses jamie off i said i'd get it that's very nice of you jamie but well, women nowadays can do things for themselves. Why is Jamie so upset? I mean, he's upset because he's uh, he's deranged, but why is he upset that he didn't get to pick up the knife? He wanted to be chivalrous. She didn't allow him that. If he could do that, then she'd get in his pants. <laughs> well, it just seems like, you know, this uh, this Jamie kid, he's uh doesn't know how to socialize with women, and he thinks that pawing at them is a good thing so it just seems like oh she got the bend over so i got to see her bend over but jamie i don't understand jamie's brain he's not an ass man is that oh well okay that sure that adds up all right, okay all right, yeah he says he's gonna go talk to teddy and he goes to his bedroom and talks to his teddy bear and tells teddy how great sandy is and then teddy which is jamie's voice says well then she's just what we've been waiting for isn't she? Yeah. Maybe she is. 
We then find that Abigail is the niece of the librarian Margaret, Marg. They're doing aerobics together, and she asks if Jamie is crazy. She says he's not. He's just stressing. Sandy puts Jamie to bed. Teddy tells Jamie that Sandy will get undressed and go into the bathroom and just give her a minute. And while she's in the bathroom, Jamie yells for a glass of water. She takes it to him, and as she leaves, Jamie gets a glance of some side boob through her blouse. So like you said, he's not in the butts. Nope. See? <laughs> just let the movie explain itself. That's all you got to do. I, you're right. That's my fault. I jumped I jumped in too early. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, there you go. The phone rings, and Sandy answers. Jamie eavesdrops. It's Alan! She talks about how she was apparently told he was a baby and how cuckoo the kid is. (laughs) (laughs) What? That is some false advertising. Right, yeah. Uh, she asks if, if she's still invited to his game, and he agrees to pick them up and then tells her he needs to tell her something before he forgets. And then all we hear is her response, and she goes, well, you have a sexy voice, too. What did he tell her? Like, I need to tell you something before you go. You have a sexy voice. <laughs> yeah. By the way, your voice turns me on. Yeah, all yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pick you guys up for the game. Yeah, yeah. But uh, real important here, you have a sexy voice. <laughs> All this talk about the boy you're watching has really got me keyed up. Woo-wee! Jamie tells Teddy that he's thinking about telling her everything, including the secret, to which Teddy warns him to be careful. And the next morning, Jamie is bedside of Sandy staring at her exposed nipple while she sleeps. And she yeah. she she wakes up freaking out. What are you doing in here? And he goes, I was just watching you sleep. As if somehow that's innocent. I mean, you got, you know all those times that you just, you know, stand next to someone's bed and watch them sleep with their boobs hanging out? I mean, you, you've guys, you've been there, right? That just happens. Yeah, I just did it this morning. I mean. <laughs> Wasn't even my house. Best part of waking up. <laughs> it's, it's perving at someone as they sleep. He says she doesn't have to worry about him. He's only 12. And after breakfast, he's going to tell her a secret. And he's made her breakfast. And he tells her that there have been others like her, lots, and none of them ever come back. How many warning signs has she gotten by this point? And she'll get many more. (laughs) But she's totally, she's up for it, I mean, she has signs, and she even has Jamie that warns her. So, (laughs) Yeah. The, the, The creepiest thing that she's ever encountered is telling her, look, I'm pretty out there. Jamie tells her he knows where there's a huge hole in the ground, and at the bottom, there's some things. They got tiny yellow eyes and all hunched up, and thinks that they are trolls or trollologs. And she asks if he can hear them. He says they make sounds and thinks one of them died. And now only he and her are the ones in the world that know about them. Jamie then runs off to the woods, to the pit. He talks to the pit. He tells them that someone else knows about them, and she's not like the others. She's different. And the the pit creatures just, they don't care at all. No, they're like, why are you telling people one of us died? (laughs) Franklin was just sick for a bit, man. Maybe it's the fact that uh, they're in a pit that's pitch black, and all of these creatures are black. So it's almost impossible to see them from, from through a lot of the movie. Because, well, you know, they apparently shot this movie and then had pit monsters. And when the studio like, saw the dailies photos, they're like, you're not using those. So they reshot all the pit monsters in some studio in Toronto. This movie was shot in Wisconsin. They did all the pit stuff in some like studio with new costumes in Toronto. And those apparently work, weren't working out because they're all dark and never really fully seen. You can kind of see the, the the gray streaks in the hair from the monsters, and occasionally their eyes will flash. But other than that, they're not real easy to see in this movie. Now, I didn't, I probably didn't have as a high a quality as perhaps you did, but from what I saw, it was tough to actually. No, you can't make see out. Yeah, you, it's, oh, okay, it's okay, yeah, it's intentional. It's like Alien vs Predator Requiem. Like, no one you see anything. <laughs> I think I enjoyed this movie a little bit more. <laughs> Than Alien vs. Predator Requiem. MVPR. So we're at the football game, and Sandy is super jazzed about the game while Jamie could give less a shit. In fact, he looks pretty angry, and 
after the game, Alan takes them home in his sweet convertible, and he tells Jamie that maybe he'll teach him how to play football someday. Alan drops the top of the convertible after they drop Jamie at home, and they suck face in the car, him and Sandy, as Jamie watches from the porch. And they got in there deep. Jamie was out of the car for two seconds, and then it was like, all right, he's gone. (laughs) Give me your mouth. About time. Oh, no, you know what he probably said? Before you go out of the car, I've got something really important to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, there's a creature I want to show you. Yeah. I was talking about telling her about uh, her sexy voice again. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole time during the football game. He's just thinking about her sexy yeah. voice. Oh, uh, wait to get back. Go time, man! That voice is sexy. <laughs> that night, Jamie's crying in his room, and Sandy checks on him. Teddy's voice is heard from the door, saying, "Go away." And Sandy goes to the library to get a book on troubled children and talks to Marge about it. She says she has something to tell her about Jamie. I don't know what there is because that's a. I think that's the end of that scene. Set the take her word for it. Yeah, Jamie runs into Abigail and she sweetly apologizes and tells him that he can try the bike. And he gets on and he falls off because the front tire wasn't connected. And then Marge comes out. What on earth is going on here? I let Jamie try my bike and tell him that it wasn't all in one piece. Abigail, that's awful. (laughs) Jamie, you shouldn't play with her. I wouldn't play with that crud if she was... You stop laughing. (laughs) You should just go home. I didn't even do anything. This kid is clearly a sociopath. Do you think it's the best idea to keep poking the beehive? Well, Marge seems to protect him. No, he's harassing this woman from afar compared to what he does the other people, but she seems to be oddly protective of him. She treats him like shit, but she won't let anyone (laughs) Well, she's scared of him. That's why. At home, Sandy is making Jamie's bed and finds a nude mag under his mattress. This magazine and you, she says, this does not make sense. It does make a lot of sense, Sandy. A lot of sense. The kid... At the side of your bed when you woke up staring at your nipple, doesn't make sense to have a nudie mag? <laughs> yeah, th- this is, he's supposed to be 12, so he's going to have an interest in, uh, you know, he's, he's be starting puberty, so I, I think it uh, makes sense for him to have this stuff. Now, that doesn't give him the right to, you know, ogle someone in their sleep, but, you know, he's curious. <sighs> Unfortunately, he's insane. She leaves the room, closes the door, and then we see the bear turn its head on its own. Fellas, this is the first time that we see the teddy bear's head move, the teddy bear do anything when Jamie isn't around. There's a, a movie where we've got a, a sociopath for a kid. Great. There's a, a pit full of monsters. Okay, great. And now we also have a possessed teddy bear? Is that what's going on here we don't see this bear move at any other time in the movie they didn't feel like they had enough shit going on like uh, make sure the bear is like you know sentient i'll just throw it in there yeah yeah it's absolutely what it was it's not enough just to make you go oh yeah the the bear he the kid has a mental problem he thinks the bear talking to him because it's it's jamie's voice and now you're like oh it's real i yeah, like, originally, you know, we said that uh, when this script was originally written, it was supposed to be much darker, and it was supposed to be about, like, this, like, eight- or nine-year-old kid and the uh, the pit monsters. Hey, they're not real. They're just his imagination. The, the bear just feels like it's a leftover thing from that original script. Or it's like that, that was the first scene that they filmed. They're like, hey, let's do this, and then did nothing else with it. They could have just cut that out, though, then, if that was the well, case. They could have cut that scene right when you go look back at the bear, and before he moves, you could have just left it. But no, he, he turns. That's not even like up to the viewer. Like, well, maybe the bear is actually talking to him, or maybe Jamie's just crazy. Like, no, the bear moved. Jamie went home. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, uh, there's a breeze, then the bear fell over. Like, oh, no, it can move. Like, no, the bear fully rotated its head. There's, there's no question. The bear's alive. <laughs> Jamie plays with a pet snake. 
that he has now for a second. And we cut to him building a model train as Sandy asked him if he wonders why he doesn't have any friends and if he's lonely. And he says he's got Teddy and he can always go to the see the trollologs. Sandy pulls out a book and asks him to read the definition of troglodytes, a man-like ape creature. And she tries to convince him it's not real. It's like myths. She says it's bath time then. And he wonders if she can wash his back. Red flag. <laughs> In the bath, he asked her if she'd be sad if his mother and father didn't come back. And she said... Red flag. <laughs> she said, well, I'd be broke. They didn't. And he asked... Can two people fall in love when they're young? I guess so. I think I've done that. Fallen in love. But she doesn't notice me because I'm still young. But I'll grow up. Then there won't be any difference. Do you mean me, Jamie? Yes. I want you to know I think that's really beautiful. You do? But you won't even remember me when you've grown up. I'm twice as old as you are. So? Maybe you can think about it a little after I've left. We can write to each other and stay friends. He wonders why his mother washes him so much. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> you know, like, this could be taken uh, a couple of ways. One, that the mom is just a germaphobe, and that's the way I wish it was. But I think we can all agree from how clearly damaged Janie is that... <laughs> The mom's doing something she shouldn't be doing with a 12-year-old boy, right? Uh, yeah. It's inferred. <laughs> it's it's something many people have picked up on from this movie. And also, I've never had a 12-year-old hit on me. But I will say that if one were to hit on me, I don't think beautiful would be the word I would use <laughs> describing that, that situation. I think she's trying to be nice. She's trying to win the situation by being somewhat sympathetic but not giving in Uh, it's odd but hey i've never been giving a 12 year old a bath in the and they tell me that um (laughs) he asked her if she likes washing him and sandy just leaves (laughs) and rightfully so and then the next morning sandy goes for a morning jog with mrs lind (laughs) the teacher someone that we haven't seen since I don't know, minute eight of the movie. I was so thrown off, I wasn't sure if that was Sandy. Because <laughs> her hair was a little different. I was like, wait a minute, I had to get yeah. a close-up and go, oh, it is Sandy. I felt like, are there two Sandys in this movie now? Yeah. So Jamie at this time is feeding the pit. Mrs. Lind gives Sandy the lowdown on Jamie that he's a... He's a loner, doesn't play sports, just didn't fit in. So they picked on him. Is he a good student? He's the highest IQ in class. His only interest is science. He's good at that. Did a wonderful project on toads. Um, draws well? Can't spell. Who can? You'll be all right. If... If what? Depends on what happens to him in the next few years. Little boys always grow into men. Ask Margaret Livingston. So, you know, kids, play sports. Don't be like Jamie. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, play sports. You gotta run out your psychotic thoughts. Mm-hmm. Know how to spell and draw. Jamie is at the library as Marge keeps an eye on him, and then she asks the girl what kind of books he's taking out. She says, "Art and animal husbandry." I heard that right. Red flag. Hu- husbandry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, if if I were to see someone checking out. We can assume it's erotic art with Jamie, right? I mean, we can just assume that. If I saw someone check that out and then stuff about, like, animal husbandry, about biology, it's like, oh, this person is clearly a murderer. If they haven't murdered someone, they're planning to do it. Well, Jamie is on the steps looking into one of the books, and he's looking at a section on flesh eaters. (laughs) Red flag! He goes to the butcher and buys some meat. The butcher tells him that's a lot of meat, you know, and he says, well, it's for five people i like his little pause there <laughs> and then he feeds it all to the trollologs i almost wish he would have looked into the camera and winked when he said five people well, 
let's take a second here. The score, it w- would have fit with that because the <laughs> score of this film is something else. It's it is not. I, I don't. I don't know what the inspiration for it was, but it's far too kind and almost like golden era sitcom-y. I mean, there's some moments of danger stuff thrown in there, but there's a lot of bad things going on with pleasant music playing. It's it's pretty comedic. It's like they took the soundtrack to Milo and Otis or Homeward Bound Mm -hmm. and put it in this movie. Pretty much. Sandy is taking a shower as Jamie spies through the big window on the door. Because yeah, when I want a bathroom, I want a giant glass window. <laughs> That's not even know what's it's going not on. even a fogged out window. It's clear. And uh, he sneaks in and writes, I love you in marker on the mirror. And then he gets a glimpse of her naked before leaving. Jamie goes to his bed and snuggles Teddy. He hears her scream from the other room. Sandy, in a towel, runs into his room and scolds him for doing such. Sandy realizes it's no use. Jamie asks if, before she goes, she could leave him a photograph. Because he didn't make the situation creepy enough. He said, I know what I'll do. Give me a picture. Baby? He didn't say baby, but he might as well have. What do you think Jamie planned to happen writing I love you on the mirror when she clearly said, I'm not interested in you, 12-year-old boy. Persistence. Like, what? Persistence, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, is that what it is? It's a, a battle of attrition? Is that what Jamie's going for? I mean, he's he's uh, using the, like, Biff Tannen method of finding love. <laughs> that's, that's where he's going. Huh? You're going to be mine, Sandy. <laughs> You'll see one day. <laughs> you don't know it yet. <laughs> she tells him to leave her alone. Uh, later, while she's out hosing the plants, Jamie sneaks in her room and steals some cash from her purse. And he runs out to the butcher to, for more meat. He bumps into Marge and Abigail, who she calls him stupid, but Marge tells her, hey, don't talk to him like that. Well, she says clumsy stupid. That's even a bigger burn, I guess. Like It's like what she tried to... Make fun of him, like he's he, well. Here comes clumsy, stupid. Like that's not even that makes zero sense. <laughs> Jamie and Teddy feed the trollologs, and Teddy asks how much money he has left. He says sixty-two cents. Teddy wonders if he even looks down there. He says they're still down there, and they won't get out. Teddy inquires about Mrs. Livingstone, and uh, oh, Mrs. Livingstone. Yeah, so she. Answers her phone at her house, and it's Teddy on the line. Hello? Hello, Miss Livingston. Yes, who is it? You have a niece named Abigail? Yes. Is something happened? She's been kidnapped, Miss Livingston. And no one will ever find her. Oh, no. But she'll be set free if you do exactly what I tell you to. Yes. Yes. Anything. Please don't hurt her. What do you want me to do? I want to see you, Miss Livingston. Do you understand? Yes. I'm watching you now, Miss Livingston. You could call the police, but then... Poor Abigail. And I'd much rather look at you than her. Don't try and fool me. I can see you in the window. What's more important? Being shy or getting Abigail back. That's right. That's a good Miss Livingston. You want to see my body? (laughs) And Jamie's outside waiting by the window. So she takes off her top and Jamie Polaroids it. And right after, Abigail walks in. Teddy was a tape recording playing in a phone booth. A phone booth. We're back, Cullen. (laughs) We took took one break. One week. 
break and we have another phone booth in a movie so we're good which why did he you know isn't if teddy's real why did we have the recording and why didn't you just put teddy in the phone booth because teddy uh i don't know he's shy on the phone or something i mean i don't know he had to collect his thoughts and put it on tape i don't know i mean yeah because we've established that the bear can talk or can can move move, yeah maybe only jamie can hear him or uh, i don't know maybe i'm trying to put make too much sense of the pit i don't know back at home teddy and jamie are looking at the pictures and teddy goes i'm gonna look at these a lot (sighs) do you think that's the creepiest thing a bear has ever said in a movie (laughs) i might be well, it's not just that how he's what he says; it's how he says it. I'm gonna look at these a lot. Yeah, it's it's oh. eerie. It's like ooh, anything that Ted said in the movie Ted, nowhere near as creepy as this. <laughs> right. Moment. The next day, Sandy walks with Jamie, and she nicely tries to inquire about her missing money. He runs away, and Sandy chases after him. And when she finds him, he offers her some flowers. Later, he eavesdrops on Sandy on the phone with Alan, asking him to talk to Jamie. And then Jamie is caught trying to steal meat from a truck, randomly we see, after he tries to drag a cow to the pit, goes after chickens. And he doesn't just try to drag the cow to the pit. He tries to reason with the cow. It's like, like, look, either you die now or you die later. What do you say, cow? Teddy tells him that there's only one thing left. Nasty people, and we know some awfully nasty people, don't we? Jamie visits Abigail and tells her he's tried to be her friend, and he asks if he can borrow her bike for a short ride because he considers her a friend. She tells him no, and then he tells her he knows of a special bicycle path that no girl could ride on and offers her his whistle that he randomly wears if she can, if she can ride that path. So they go to the woods, he hides, and then trips her off of her bike he steals the bike and then goes to the pit and then abigail gives chase and then doesn't see the pit and falls in to the hungry trollogs you shouldn't kill people Uh, we we all know this (laughs) but abigail not a big loss for society (laughs) you know earlier in the movie when jamie comes by and she says like oh here ride my bike like she is just a huge piece of shit and i'm glad she's gone (laughs) It was just it was such a mean thing to do. Like, here, ride my bike. Oh, it fell apart. Ha <laughs> ha, you're stupid. Like, how is he supposed to know? What an awful person. It's an awful, awful town full of awful, awful people. Oh, I bet she hung out with Freddy. I bet she did. <laughs> I bet so. Like, that's what the name should have been, or the movie should have been. An awful town full of awful, awful people. Jamie next visits the old woman in the wheelchair, the blind wheelchaired woman and pushes her in the wheelchair all the way to the pit with her arms flailing and then he just like pulls up and dumps her in and he goes like my father says we all have to go sometime and then he plays around like driving her wheelchair around and and again the music i would describe it as zany Next, he takes Alan during a game of catch to the woods, and he sends him for a pass to which Alan doesn't see the pit while trying to make the catch, and he falls in. And apparently, the trawler logs were kind and threw the ball back, because that went in the pit when Alan fell, but he comes out of the woods with the ball. (laughs) We can't eat this. What the hell is this? And just throw it back. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie stares out the window and tells Teddy he doesn't think they have anybody else. Teddy is sure they can find two more. We then return to that Halloween party from the beginning of the film, and we watch that whole scene again. The whole scene in its entirety. It's like, you guys forgot about this, right? It's like they just lifted the beginning of the movie and just put it in, in here. Like It's not like they use like alternate shots or anything. It's the exact same scene. It's like the first five minutes of the movie are just in your movie again. Right, I feel like... the. That was put there because it's like, we need some pit action to start the movie because it doesn't happen for a while. And then when, you know, the scene where uh, Mrs. Livingston shows her boobs and he Polaroids it, that whole sequence to me kind of felt like some studio got the first cut of the movie and said, where's the tits? And so they just went and (laughs) shot that, you know? Like, it's so random, out of place. 
Well, I, I read that the director's wife would not allow the director to shoot any of the nude scenes. I cannot remember if it was a cinematographer or, or who it was, but someone else had to shoot the other nude scenes, except uh, for, <laughs> for one nude scene later in the movie, the director was allowed to shoot that because that was his daughter. Yep, yep. That's fitting for this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like any other movie, it's gross. I mean, it's still gross in this movie, but at the same time, you're like, you know what? It adds up. This movie was an, is autobiographical. Right. So we see after... Jamie pushes Freddie in the pit. He chases after the girl, and he's accusing her of laughing when he got punched, and she eventually faints, and he goes, I'm sorry about you. You're pretty, but you're not pretty inside. People being bullied and hurt isn't funny. You'd probably spend your whole life giggling at other people's hurt. You should go, too. That way you'd be together in heaven bye pretty girl and then he takes off her tutu and dumps her in the pit so, so when he's talking here it's almost like like lenny from of mice and men you're gonna be in heaven you're a pretty girl like all of it is just like that broken duh kind of language sandy is leaving her house with some mustache dude fast rebound also what, would you say 12 years older than her yeah uh, Jamie wakes up to Teddy uh, to spy from the window, and the guy asks Sandy if she ever found out why Alan never came around anymore. Like he's concerned. Like you know, I'm glad this has started, but where's that other guy at? That is something that we sh- we should mention that this is a super Canadian movie because <laughs> anytime you hear about or sorry, it's a boot or sorry. There's a lot of words. Yeah, a lot every of single. Time. <laughs> Only the pit stuff was shot in Canada, and the movie was in Wisconsin, but they brought the Canadians in. Wisconsinians kind of have close to that. But the only thing missing is just someone wearing a, a pair of denim jeans, a denim shirt, and a denim jacket. We there needed that. Be, there needed to be one Canadian tuxedo in this movie. Unfortunately, there were none. It needed to be this guy with the mustache, right? That's oh, who it needed yeah, to be. That's who it's got to be. I mean, later on, we'll see Jamie's dad try, but I'd rather see this other guy like that. That's right, combing his mustache. Uh, The guy asks about the little perv, and she says he won't scare her away. The next morning, Sandy asks about Alan, and Jamie said he never came around to play football. Sandy says he's been missing, and nobody knows where he is. Jamie says, hasn't he called you? Is that supposed to be my fault? Oh, sick burn, Jamie. That is. Sandy, like, slaps him, and then she apologizes, and Jamie then names the other people who went in the pit, saying that they are missing. Jamie is mad. Red flag. (laughs) Jamie's mad. He told her his secret, and she doesn't believe him. She says she knows how important it is to him, and and she believes him. She agrees to go check it out if he stops the love me stuff. They head out to the forest, and Sandy keeps stumbling on her heels and then hurts her ankle. Uh, Jamie shows Sandy the pit, and she's pretty freaked, but says, it's oh, it's just pigs that fell in. And then she takes a closer look and can't believe it and is fascinated by how long the species has survived, and she suggests paleontologists need to be contacted, and he's against it, Jamie is, because it's their secret. And during their argument, she slips and falls into the pit, the trollologs eat the shit out of her compared to the other people. And Jamie runs to Teddy crying. Teddy tells him it's not his fault and to go to sleep. <laughs> Thanks, psychotic bear. I'll, t- I'll do that. <laughs> you have all the answers, Teddy. Thank you. Uh, now, the, now the parents are back and they're eating breakfast, reading the paper about Sandy's disappearance. <laughs> they timed that well. Yeah, aren't they curious? Why the person that they hired to take care of their child wasn't there when they came home? Oh, says here she was missing. Huh. Uh, he, huh. he tells him she went off with her boyfriend, and then the most stereotypical like Irish police officer questions Jamie. How long did it take then? You were close to them. Did you see what he looked like? Tall, short, fat? Well, he was a man with a mustache. Older with dark hair, mustache, he took her away in a car. What color was this car? Yellow. That's something. 
Maybe yellow or green. Come on, son. You said you saw it. Yeah, it was yellow. Or green. Okay, folks. Thanks for the help. You can go to bed now, Jamie. I always try to be helpful. And when he goes upstairs, he sees a bloody vision of Sandy in a reflection telling him, You shouldn't tell lies like that, Jamie. <laughs> so w- w- what we've got in this movie so far, yep. j- j- just a, just Count a him recap. Up. We- we- we've got a psychotic child, a sentient teddy bear, a pit full of uh, monsters that-, that eat people, and now we have a ghost. Because why the fuck not? Psychotic Child also has a pervert peeping Tom side business going on, too. Sure, because he's, like, creepy enough. He's rubbing this it movie. off and taking Polaroids. <laughs> like, this movie says, what? how much more weird shit can we get into this movie? How much time we got left? Oh, we can do stuff. Can we send him into space? Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, later that night, the police find Abigail's bike. And the cop says he chose to live in this town because nothing ever happens here. Jamie's making up for that. Yeah. So in an interrogation room, the mustache guy is getting questions by, I'm going to call him Chief McChief, as they've (laughs) found the tutu and photos of Miss Livingston in his car. And we cut to another officer. He's like found the wheelchair. So it's all coming together real fast. I will say it it was very... I don't want to say brilliant, but very smart of Jamie to like pin all this stuff yeah, on yeah. on him. Like I had no idea he was planning to do that at all. I thought he was just like keeping the tutu because he's a gross weirdo. Do you know how but... hard it was to pry those pictures from Teddy to plant in that car? <laughs> One more rub it off. One more rub it off. <laughs> well, I'm sure Teddy kept one of the pictures. Right. <laughs> Jamie has tied a rope to a tree and tells the travel logs there isn't anybody left and puts the rope down the pit to allow them to climb out and take care of themselves. He gets another vision of Sandy asking if he knows what he's done. The travel logs begin to climb out, and later Teddy tells Jamie that Sandy is not really there and it's just his guilt. Maybe Sandy really isn't there. We know Teddy is there because we saw his head move, so... Take it from the bear. Right. Out of all the crazy stuff in this movie, there may or may not be a ghost. (laughs) He assures her it's all on her because she fell and he tried to help her out. And then the cops discuss that they don't think Garth, that's the mustache guy, Garth, did it. They don't (laughs) think he did it. The one cop asked to make it official and bring in more help, which the chief refuses. They aren't dead. They just disappeared. What happens when you find disappeared people a lot of the time, sir? Like, <laughs> not yeah, to be a downer. And also, what a fantastic law enforcement officer. Ah, they just disappeared. Like, well, that's still a mystery that could lead to a crime. Maybe we should investigate this, what with us being police officers. A cop reports a dead person after looking through the woods. I think this one other cop's like the same guy, but he always looked different in scenes to me, or he just appeared in two different scenes, jump cuts, so I was like, is it him? Not sure. Or he'd be like, hat off, hat on. Don't know. So, he finds a dead person after looking through the woods, and he goes, I've got another missing person. This one isn't missing. He's dead. Okay? And he's found <laughs> the guy... A missing person. Yeah. It's a corpse. He's found the... He's found uh, the guy's truck on the side of the road, and a couple swim around the lake. And uh, the guy gets out to dry off. Uh, The girl asks, want to go skinny dipping? To which he says, I'm tired. And he turns on the radio, and the police then stop at a cornfield where a man shows them a woman's dead body in the cornfield. And he says it wasn't an animal that did it. It was like hairy people. And he's like, did the zoo, something happen to the zoo? The zoo of hairy people? You don't think you would have heard about that? Back at the lake, the girl swims to the shore and takes off her top and is attacked by a trolley log. And that, that's the director's daughter. Yeah, that's what the director's wife allowed him to shoot. There's only like two, well, I guess there's three nude scenes in this movie. The The one with, uh, with Sandy, where Jamie is staring at her exposed breast while she's sleeping. That's the mm-hmm. only... Real good look that you get yeah. at someone naked. All the others are like a split second. I don't know why they're so quick. Like if you're gonna 
show skin, show skin. Not just like, oh, you get the idea. Next scene. Yeah, like when she Miss Livingston pulls her top up, the, it's immediately to the flash of the, the Polaroid, and we cut to the next scene. And then this one, as soon as it comes off, that thing grabs her and pulls her off screen. It's almost like you need a DVD or a Blu-ray to see any of this stuff. It's just... Uh... It's an odd choice. The guy wakes up and sees her being carried away and is attacked himself. So apparently the creatures still take the bodies back to the pit to eat them because that's where they're kind of heading. <laughs> Chief McChief has, meanwhile, put together what I guess some call a well-regulated Canadian militia Yeah. to search for the trial logs, and they chase the trial logs back to the pit. They find them instantly. They're like, all right, let's go in the woods, got them, and then... <laughs> They get to the pit and they just open fire on them. Note, there was a dude with a sweet orange hat amongst them. He, yeah. just, he <laughs> stood out. like He's like, no, I'm wearing my cool new hat in this movie. <laughs> Don't care. The trial logs are dead and a bulldozer's brought in to fill in the pit. And we see that farmer we're with earlier reporting that it was a wild pack of dogs. And they're also trying to keep the story out of the paper. Jamie is brought to an old farmhouse where his grandparents live. Yeah. Is that who they were? Yeah. I, did, I didn't realize that's who they were. When he got, when he got out of the car, he goes, Grandma! And she goes, did, gran- oh. did Grandpa bring you blah, blah? Yeah. I so did I not hear that. I, yeah. I just I just thought like, oh, he's living with two old people now. Where are his parents? <laughs> <laughs> well, he meets a girl that, you know, they got to go look at another house, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. He meets a girl that is his, she says, step cousin or something named Alicia. And they agree to play together and she wants him to chase her. And they go to the woods, which leads them to a pit where Jamie stops. He goes, they're trial logs. They eat people. And she goes, yes, I know. And pushes him in the pit. <laughs> the end. <laughs> like, literally, that's the end. It fr- like, he doesn't even, we don't even see him go into the pit. It freezes as he's getting pushed. Yes. Jamie falls to the pit. Yeah, Teddy couldn't save him. Now, where was Teddy? Yeah, what happened to Teddy? Like, was he not allowed to be with Teddy? Like, oh, t- Teddy was there. He, uh, I mean, not when he went into the pit, but he brought Teddy oh. with him, like in a plastic bag, like before he, he ran off with his step-cousin. Or something. Step-cousin or something. Or something. Yeah, he, like, he opened up like, a plastic bag. Was like, you stay here, Teddy. And then Jamie went off to play with his step-cousin, who I'm pretty sure he also had the hots for. Any female other than Abigail, he is super into. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a pit. I Yeah, this movie has lived on. I mean, this is a notoriously listed one in, in crazy movies to watch. And I, I had actually not seen it until this, till now. So I, I was very happy that Mike picked this one. I was like, oh, finally, I watched The Pit. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely very all over the place, very psychotic. Yeah, when you picked The Pit for this episode, I, th- I thought, thank God. I was super <laughs> pumped to watch this movie. That was, it was one I have meant to watch for a long time, but just for whatever reason, just never got around to it. And when you said, well, do The Pit, like, oh, yes, finally. Do The was Pit. My chance. Yeah, do The Pit. She's just what we've been waiting for, isn't she? Yeah, maybe she is. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cults in the cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means you don't want to go in the pit. You are far away from that, far away from Jamie. And uh, you're, you kind of get out free like Miss Livingston a bit. Converted which means you are wanting to, wanting to join Freddy's club a little bit, take a couple punches in the face, maybe take him out to the pit, and drink the Kool-Aid, which you are dumb as hell like Sandy, and you will take on this job, and you are going to conquer Jamie and all his things, but you're just wanting to dive into that pit so bad. So, Mike, how do you rate the pit? Well, I think I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid on this one. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. It's such an all-over-the-place movie. It's one of those that's, I guess, a guilty pleasure is the only way to describe it. Colin. When people ask me what The Pit is like, I will tell people it's like Troll 2 but directed competently. It is is so... It's super bizarre. I mean, you think about it. it, it, The the main character is a kid. There are, are monsters in it. 
ghost pop up. No one seems to believe this kid. There's just a, a bunch of crap that's all over the place that just gets thrown at it. So it really is, like, legitimately, seriously, like, watch Troll 2, watch this, and tell me you don't feel a similar vibe to it. If you say you don't, then you're a liar, and I'll fight you in an alley. But you could do so much worse for watching a, a psychotic kids movie, and this is definitely, surprisingly, one of the better ones in that that genre. So I'm going to say that I most definitely drink the Kool-Aid on The Pit. Brandon, how do you rate The Pit? I'm easily drinking the Kool-Aid on The Pit. It's bizarre. It's crazy. It's, you know, live for these kind of movies and doing this podcast and, like, wanting everyone to see The Pit. I, you know, I watched this twice. I loved it both times. Ah, it, it sucks. I watched it by myself twice, but you know this is a great like party movie. Like have people together watching the pit, and especially newbies because they will not believe what is going on in so many different directions. The pervy stuff, the the horror stuff, the the off key music with everything. The just Jamie himself, so much fun. I want to show everyone the pit. It's it's really good. You know, I bought the Blu-ray from Kino. It looks stellar and it's got some good interviews on there with the people involved with it. it's got jamie and sandy the writer talking about his original script which I, I tell you what you know the original script was supposed to have it all be in jamie's head and and he was doing stuff which how creepy of a moment would it have been in a twist of this movie if like jamie brings sandy out to the woods and shows her a pit and then he sees the pit but when you see what sandy sees it's a pile of like dead bodies that he's killed that would be pretty creepy, but uh, that was not how it went. And you know what? I think we're kind of fortunate the movie didn't work out the way the original script did because we have it like this now. It's genius. See the pit. Like Cullen said, it's in that Troll 2 realm. You'll have those same feels. Neil Bog and whatever town this is are definitely spots to stop on your tour of trashy American cinema. Well, not quite American cinema. North uh, American cinema. North American cinema. Check them out. It's awesome. Okay, okay, I'll pick you up. But we have to be at the stadium 30 minutes before game time. You know, I gotta change and all that. And uh, one more thing before I forget. Well, you've got a pretty sexy voice too. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1982's Mazes and Monsters, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, returning to Cult Cinema Cavalcade for the episode will be comic book writer and author Troy Brownfield. Thanks for giving us your beloved time and adding us to your work day, your run, your drive, however you listen. Um, While well, there's a dirty movie on in the background, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and thanks to Mike Vaughn for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And no problem. And uh, where can people find uh, your work? Everything, uh, you know, the book is on Amazon and other places to find books. Uh, where's all your other stuff? You guys can look me up at um, Ashtrange Cinema 65. This is actually my uh, my only book, so check it out on Amazon. All right. Well, we look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned for the trailer to Mazes and Monsters, the trailer that actually trails. Tom Hanks and his friends get caught up in a deadly game of fantasy. I am the maze controller. Until they take it too far. I propose we play Mazes and Monsters in a real setting. It won't be a fantasy. Too bad for one of them, because now there's no turning back. This is only a game. I know, I killed somebody. Mazes and Monsters. Saturday at 3 on ZTV, Fox 17. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Thought I told you never to call me here. Some of the things I love are photography, travel, skiing, and cuddling.
This is a very exciting time for my life because I'm just starting a new claims adjusting business. I don't know, the type of girl that I'm looking for is one that's really attractive to me. I like an attractive woman, someone who might look like Christy Brinkley or Jacqueline Smith. I have a very strong sense of humor. I've read recently that everyone thinks they've got one, but my friends do agree that I do. Red flag! Sure, but um, semi-crazy. Red uh, flag! Typical research mathematician, I guess. Walking down the street or just going out for let me take pictures of her with my camera. Red flag! Maybe even gets rough once in a while, you know? And, Red uh, flag! I've been on Jeopardy. I decided it. Red flag. But I'd love to go roller skating. Are you a little crazy? Red flag. Verbal skills. Co-ed bubble bath sounds like a real fun idea. I want to try. Red flag. Um, I'm. Who was ever with me has to like to do it too, or they're going to go nuts because I'll try to be nuts. Red flag. A person who is childlike. Red flag. Embarrassed you by it ordering too much food or, you know, somebody like that. I'm a nice fellow. I don't know. Um, I'm particularly attracted to black women and women of different races. So if you like me, give me a call. <laughs> Basically, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Red flag.